So, so we're starting a new series, right? Uh, and it's called Socks and Underwear. Just full disclosure, when Pastor Eric came back from sabbatical, uh, he was all charged up and wanted to take a more active role in uh, series uh, creation and, and, and things like that. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, he's like, yeah, for like, you know, for instance, I was thinking this Christmas thing, uh, socks and underwear. Oh, uh, I got I to be honest, I, I didn't catch the vision immediately because, I mean, socks and underwear just doesn't really instill passion in me, you know. It's like, hey, what are you guys talking about church? Socks and underwear. Well, I got to go. I got to invite some friends to uh, come here about socks and underwear. But as he talked about it a little bit, I, and, and he made the gospel connection for me and the Christmas connection for me, I actually got pretty excited about, about the series. Uh, and what he wrote, and I'm going to share, basically he was thinking that it's a short series that consists of, of really what we usually want, especially uh, are things like prosperity and peace and security, but those aren't necessarily the things that we need as people of, of, of children of God. Things that we need and what the series is going to be about is uh, we need hope and we need grace, and we need, uh, we need uh, God's mercy. And I was thinking about this, and, and Jesus told us that if we seek first the kingdom of God, we will have everything we need. And I was thinking about this whole dichotomy between need and want. And None of us probably uh, ask for socks and underwear for Christmas, you know, um, uh, but we get them. Usually from our, well, at least from a male perspective, my spouse gives me socks and underwear. It used to be my parents would give me socks and underwear. There's kind of a, kind of a tr- uh, series or, or something going on on here, but uh, uh but it's stuff that, 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 that you need. And, and, and the truth is that, that as we, we look at life, that there's lots of things that we want, but we don't necessarily need them. And I think that it's really uh, made clear a lot of times when we look through the eyes of a child. And I read a blog this, this week that a guy had a little girl who made a Christmas wish list. And... She wrote down all the things that she wanted for Christmas, and, and, and I thought it was really interesting, and, and I thought that it really taught us something uh, through, the, through the uninhibited eyes and desires of, of a child, and I just want to kind of go through these things that, that she wanted. She wants a bread kit. It's a bread maker. And uh, that's an antique bread maker that, that I found, and and. Why, a, you know, a little girl would want a bread maker? I don't know. I mean, I don't think a little boy would ask for that, but maybe that's something that, that you would be all about. Uh, she also wanted a, quote, a little thing that can turn into anything at any time. <laughs> now, I searched Google. I got images for all of this, and I searched Google, and I was like, what the heck is a little thing that can turn into anything at any time? And then I thought, aha, I got it. It is 
Let me unpack that a little bit. Those of you who aren't parents or have never had a little thing that can turn into anything at any time, this little angel can be the most beautiful little angel one second and be a screaming demon the next. This little angel can smell so beautifully one second and erupt in something that is not so beautiful and smells that good. So I, that's the closest I could come to a little thing that could be anything at, at any time, your joy and, and your, your curse all at the same time. She also wanted, oh, come on. That all was from 20-something girls who have not had a baby screaming at 3 a.m. and pooing. So, uh, you know, my wife used to say, oh, it's sweet Madison poo. Poo is poo. Okay, it's not sweet no matter who it comes out of. All right, next one. She wanted a thousand bucks. Like, who wouldn't, right? You know, she also wanted a new cape that glows up. I, I don't know. I searched that. Like, there's not a whole lot of capes that glow up, but she wanted that. She wanted that. She also wanted a grill. <laughs> I don't know if she wanted what kind of grill, but I found that that grill that might that might work. She also wanted a black, light blue, green purple, and pink North Face jacket. She must live in a cold climate is all I could think. She wants a new radio. So there you go. She wanted a radio, very hip, young individual. Uh, this next thing I actually had to look up because I had no idea what it was. She wanted a Monster High earbuds. Those are sweet bling, right? I looked at that too. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't personally rock them, but I, I could see somebody, somebody doing it. She also, I didn't know what this was either. She wants all of Justice's black jackets. You guys know, yeah, all the women are like, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, there, she wants all of those. She also wanted an iPod Touch. So do they still make iPod Touches? Okay, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. And every iPod Touch I've ever seen looks like that. So, uh, she wa I, I remember with my daughter when she went through this next phase, uh, she wanted a Sage, the American doll. Oh, yeah. The, the whole American doll thing, come on, you and me. It's a little creepy. Mm. She wanted a light-up Razor scooter. Who wouldn't? Right? Flames coming out and all that. That's pretty dang cool. And then the final thing is she wanted a pet puppy, but the specific kind. A golden collie retriever. I couldn't find a picture of a golden trolley retriever, collie retriever, but those are some sweet little puppies. She also wanted it with a peace sign collar. And I just didn't care enough to find an image for this. A peace collar or sign collar with a leash with a black wrist to go with all her justice black jackets, of course. So a very fashionable young, young lady. And I was thinking about it, and the re reality is, if you and I just kind of like, we were, you know, off talking and just, you know, just kind of just being crazy and everything, we have some crazy desires too, right? Like, we probably wouldn't put them on a list for people to make fun of, but, but, but like, in our heart, sometimes we're like, yeah, you know, I would really like it. I, I thought I'd be vulnerable with you guys. And these are things that I'd really, I really do want. 
I want to have the wisdom of an 80-year-old and the body of a 20-something. Right? Amen? Amen. I mean, like, I don't like my kids. They're like, you ever want to be 20 again? No. No, I was an idiot. I did really stupid things when I was 20, so I wouldn't want that. But if I could, like, have the wisdom of somebody twice my age and the body of somebody half my age, no! You know, as long as we're wishing. Uh, okay, this, this next thing, I truly do want this a man cave with my own urinal, so I don't have to put the lid down. <laughs> Men? Yeah. That'd be awesome. You just go, you do your business, and you go. And you know, nobody yells at you. I, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And my daughter was screaming at my son the other day about it, and, I, and that made me think about that again. I'm like, that, to me, is success, you know. It's like, man cave, you can't come in. I got my own deal here. Leave me alone. The next one was strategically placed because I knew I was going to be sharing that. I want people to make allowances for one another's faults. So I know I have some off humor. Just make allowances for it. Some of you think it's great humor. I appreciate you. You are wise. So... And getting to, actually, these are really true. I, 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 uh, these are real wants of, of, of my life. I want people and myself to experience the full measure of God's love. I really do want that. Not only for you, I want it for myself. I mean, it really defines a lot of, of who I am, is that, is that want. And then this final one, this is one that, that I've been f- afraid for years to stand here and say, but it just seems right today. This is something that I truly want. I want E3 to reach the city with the, blue, with the beauty of the relational gospel and to help other churches reach their cities as well. <laughs> you know yeah, I just, I, I, that, that has been something that's been so deep in, in my heart that I so desperately want us as a community to figure this thing out. And I just, I, I hear about the gospel and it's li- in, in being presented in some limited ways and some sometimes more like a stick than a wedding ring and it, and it saddens me and I so desperately want people to know that they matter to God and they matter to us. And how do you say that and, and, and demonstrate that in a way that truly honors the beauty of the gospel. And not for only us to do it here, but to be able to be a blessing to other local bodies of Christ to do that as well. And I, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever really said that because honestly, 
I feel like people would think, and they'd be right to think, like, who are you to have that kind of dream, that kind of want? But I think it's beautiful, and, I, and it's something that, 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 that creates passion in my heart. It's something worth getting up for in the morning, and it's something that makes it difficult to go to bed with at night. I want all sorts of things, and, and, and some of them are even holy, set aside for God's purpose. But the reality is that I don't always get what I want. The reality is you don't always get what you want. And the promise from, from Christ is not that we get what, our want, uh, what we want, even, even if, it, if it's holy. But we do get what we need. And again, in this short series, we're going through three things that, that hopefully we want, but, but maybe we just don't ask for or don't realize that we need. And those three things in this series is hope, peace, and grace. Hope, peace, and grace. And today we're going to be talking about hope. And uh, Hal Lindsey has a, has a famous quote, and I'm sure you've heard it, but he, he said that you can live 40 days without food. You can live, um, what is it, uh, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, and not a second without hope. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's true because without hope in the, uh, for the future... The human spirit dies. That's, that's why so many uh, people who, when their spouses pass away after they've been together for so many years, that they quickly, uh, they soon after die as well because they lose hope. There's no reason to live. And I know that we've all experienced this. You know, a lot of times I really try to think of like, what are common human experiences, Right? And one of the common human experiences is this, this idea of hopelessness. That we have no vision for the future that instills passion in our, in our lives. That, that when we are hopeless, it's like standing at the, the, the edge of the abyss. And to have any forward motion is to be certain destruction. I've experienced hopelessness, and I know you guys have experienced hopelessness on a social level and also on a, on a personal level. There's been times in my life uh, that socially I've, I, I've seen hopelessness and have experienced hopelessness. When I was in Western Africa in Benin, one of the hopeless, most hopeless times of my life where, where I just felt hopeless and powerless was I would spend all day with, with young girls who had been rescued uh, uh, out of the sex trafficking trade. I got to spend time with them and, and, and the people who were protecting them and caring for them. And then I would go back to my hotel and see expats going off to their rooms with young girls who are still in the sex trade. 
It's just hopeless. Most recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Haiti, and, and in the midst of, of really a hopeless situation, I, I believe myself to be a person of reasonable uh, intelligence, and, 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 and being in Haiti in that kind of situation, you look around, and, and, and it's a hopeless situation. Like, how do you fix it? Like, I'm a fixer a lot of times. I want to fix things. And it's like, if you fix this, you break that, and you do this, and you do that. And it's so complex. In a lot of ways, it's so hopeless. When I first came to Christ, I was at a, 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 a crisis of hope. I didn't have any hope left. And it's funny. I listen to people's testimonies, and they're like, you know, I came to Jesus and I was filled with life and, and, and all that. that wasn't, that's not my story. My story is when I came to faith, I had zero hope. There was no future for me. And when I came to Christ, when my father introduced me to the relational gospel that I could have a relationship with, with the living God, that, that I, wa- I wasn't filled. I got what I needed, and that was just a speck of hope that maybe the next hour would be at least a little bit bearable. That's where I, that's where I started. And I think a lot of times that we experience this hopelessness, and what we want is it to be fixed. I want to string up all the people who traffic these young girls and boys as well. I want to take every single expat who has ever participated in this trade and treat them poorly. I want poverty to be erased from the face of this earth. I want injustice to be taken away. I want that. I want people here in America to, to have hope and believe that they, they can, can be God's love, can be the full expression of God's love, and that them to know that they matter to God. And even though we have monetary wealth, that, that we, have, uh, uh, we are poor in spirit, but we don't have to be. I want that. But obviously, you turn on the news and you, you know, look on drudge, you know, that, that is not the reality of our world. But every so often, God gives us what we need to take that one more step, to take that one more chance to once again stand up and to cast a compelling vision for the future, a holy vision, a vision that is set aside for God's purposes, a vision that not the strong abuse the weak, but a place that is bathed in love. One of the greatest messages I have ever gotten in church was not given by a pastor. It was not uttered 
by the person singing a song. It happened early on in my faith. I was I was sitting in the back of the church during a worship gathering, and I just had a speck of hope. It was one of the first times I had gone to church as a 25-year-old guy. And I remember seeing a few pews ahead of me this girl who was just leaned, leaned over and she was just distraught. She wasn't like blubbering. But you know, you could tell. Like she's just, she wasn't listening to the message. I wasn't listening to the message. I was like fascinated. Like what's going on here? I'm new to this Christianity thing. I'm new to church, you know. What does the church do? And people would stand and sit and she would just remain seated. And at the end of the gathering, I got a glimpse of the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of, of the church. This person came from another part of the church, another pew, right after the gathering, just walked up to her. I don't know if they knew each other. Put his hand on her shoulder and... and it looks to me, whispered something in her ear and, 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 and prayed for. I thought, that's amazing. One human being here who is hurting in distress. Another human being whose life situation is okay right now. They have the capacity to to go over to another human being and to put their hand on them and just take a moment to whisper words of life into them. And I don't know what he said. I have put words in. I, this is what I think he said. At least this is what I would want to hear. And maybe if you're hopeless, you would want to hear. That he went to this woman and reached, put his hand on her and whispered in her ear, you matter to God and you matter to me. I mean, how long does that take? But it's the best message I've ever heard in church or saw in church. I didn't even hear it. It's this glimpse of, you know what? I may not get what I want, but God is, will give me what I need to move one step further. I think about Benin, Africa, Often and the, and the young ladies that, that I met and, and, and knowing that they are journeying through life and people have given their lives to invest in these young girls who have come from horrific circumstances and saying, you know what, you can be a leader in your community, that you can make a difference to breathe words of life into them. 
One of the greatest things about being in Haiti was seeing, you know, friends of mine and, and other new friends truly being the full expression of God's love in a hopeless place. Down in, in Guatemala that we're at, that, you know, single mothers, you know, homes being built and families being restored. That, that can we fix everything? No. But if we, as the body of Christ, said, you know what, we are going to stand up and whatever we have, and even if that is just merely going over a few rows and putting our hands on somebody and saying, you matter to God and you matter to me, the hope level in the world just goes up just a little bit more. And that is a beautiful thing. While I was looking at Scripture, I believe Jesus gives us, or the Bible gives us, some different aspects of hope that we have been promised. We have been promised the hope of our salvation, but maybe not the salvation that you are thinking of. If you turn to your, uh, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, in verse 3, sorry, in verse 3, Paul writes, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. I want you guys to get the profound statement that Paul is making here. When I was in high school and wanting to drop out, I had a teacher who, who said, you know what, Mark, and he would say this all the time to me, and I have to edit it a little bit or I'd lose my job, but, but uh, he would say, Mark, the more stuff that you go through in life, the better character you are going to have. And that's what... What Paul is writing here is like, rejoice when we go through trials. You know why? Because they're going to make you tough. They are going to make you strong. They, they are going to build you up and refine your character and make you a starward giant of the gospel. Right now we are celebrating the life of Nelson Mandela a man who was labeled a terrorist as a young man by the U.S. government, a man who was put into a small little cell for 27 years, a man who has three failed marriages, a man who brought down apartheid. If Nelson Mandela didn't go through the adversity of his youth if he's not thrown into prison, if it wasn't for those three women that were in his life and those three failed marriages, could he have brought down apartheid? I do not know. 
but I got to believe that being in a cell for 27 years in really tough situation makes you have some pretty thick skin. When you have white jailers who abuse you for 27 years, and you invite those very same jailers to your inauguration as president of South Africa, that is not a man who became bitter. That is a man who became really, really tough and really convicted. And we as followers of Christ, when you go through adversities of trials that we rejoice, why? Because we have been called to a great future, a future that is going to require us not to be soft, but to be tough. That God has called us to walk up to the gates of hell and kick down those gates and look at the face of evil and say, I am here to be the full expression of God. You take your hand off that young girl. She's with me. You know what? In Haiti, you have people who are being in the full expression of God's love and saying, you know what? There's garbage and disease and all of this stuff. And you know what? Evil and and apathy, this is unacceptable to God because these people matter to God and they matter to me. Weak people do not do that. People who have gone through trials, people who have hurt, people who have adversity. These are people that, you know what, maybe would not choose to have those adversities. But those wounds have turned into healed scars. And those scars are not ugly. Those scars are tough and beautiful, and are proof that you have been in the fight. You skip down to verse 10, and I think this is one of the most beautiful understanding of the full gospel And I've been spending a lot of time just kind of thinking about the full gospel. I've just completed a book with my friend John on the six symbols of the gospel because I have this holy discontentment with how the gospel is presented here in the United States. And in verse 10, Paul writes this beautiful thing. He says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies... We will certainly be saved through the life, through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. And here is a statement that I know will get me in trouble with a lot of evangelicals, but you know what? I'm at a point in my ministry that I don't really care. Salvation is not a destination, but a process of restoration. You know what? 
We go as evangelicals and we tell people, you know what the good news is? The good news is you're a sinner. And that, you know what? Christ died for you, and guess what? You get to go to this destination. And although I would not disagree with any of those statements, it is not the whole truth. And are we meant to be people of truth? This is where church people would say, yes. (laughs) At least that's my understanding. Well, the truth is, Do you know that we are God's creation and we were created in His image? That God used to like to take strolls with us. This is God's ideal state for us. That He would, in the afternoon, the cool breezes, not for His benefit, for our benefit, cool breezes walk with God. Religion looks at people as sinners. God looks at them as splendid, as people he wants to hang out with. And yeah, you know what? Brokenness has happened, and there is a reality that we are broken and messy, and we are in need of a Savior. But that is not who we are. That God came to us because he wants to, to stroll in fellowship with us. As Paul writes in this scripture, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of Jesus. And this amputated version of the gospel of you're a sinner and Jesus died for you and walk over the cross and, and, and get to heaven is missing the point because, and listen to me now, a Christianity that begins and ends with a cross is dead. You know what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That is Jesus Christ. That in the beginning that we walked in the garden, in the unfettered presence of God, and that we have been growing up as humanity. And when we were ready, and the Scripture tells us that, that that Christ came and died for us, not because of anything we did, but because of who He is. And He died on the cross, but that is not the end of the story. You would think so with so many churches. But Christianity does not begin, nor does it end with the cross, because Christ rose again. Why don't we talk about that when we tell people about Jesus Christ, that we don't serve a wooden cross. We serve a living king who is also our friend. And that living king rose again, and you know what he did? He said, you know what? I want to give you a vision that instills passion, that I want you to go out and be the living expression of God's love in this messed up world. 
And you know what? I want you to do it as my body. That you are actually the living expression of God on this earth is the body of Christ, that we are the living, breathing hands and feet, that we are Jesus when we go and we speak words of life, that we are acting on Jesus' behalf. (laughs) When we go to different parts of the world, when we go two pews over, and connect with a fellow human being in the name of Christ that we are tangibly being His agents, that we are fulfilling the mission. Salvation is not a destination, but is a process of restoration, and that restoration ends when we complete our mission that our Lord and Savior will come and take us home, not to pearly gates and golden streets but to the unfettered presence of God, a new Jerusalem where God is now with His people. Revelation chapter 21. And I have totally gone on a rant. And I realize that. (laughs) Oh. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to shorten this up really quick, though. If, if you, uh, you want to catch what I said, you can watch it on. I'm sure they won't use this one for the podcast. So, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just I have a holy discontentment, if you couldn't tell. So, uh, turn to Colossians chapter 1 really quick. And, th- and then this is another hope, a hope of transformation. And in verse 6, the same good news, the same gospel that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. And then it talks about how they heard the, the good news from somebody and, and, and this, this, this uh, just kind of paint it forward and, and Going back to what we need and what we want. So often I, I look at this and, and sometimes I get discouraged with the church because I feel like sometimes we do a lot of discipleship, we do a lot of giving, but we, we don't see the going. We see a lot of feed me, feed me, but we don't see a lot of, hey, I have food for energy. I am going to go pay it forward. I am going to be the full expression of God's love in this world. And some of the beautiful things that, that I have seen at our church is like in Acts 2, when, when Acts 2 is a fund here, when people are on financial hard times, our community has a fund where, where we help them get through that hard times. And, and most of the time, or I don't know about most of the time, but, but many times, you know, that just happens, and, and, and that's great, and that's a good thing. But it becomes truly beautiful and truly the, the, the image of the gospel when that same person gets over their hurdle and they start giving back. Not paying back, but giving to that fund. It's not a loan. But saying, you know what? My church helped me, and now that I'm in a decent place, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to make sure that there's funds for somebody else when, when, that, when they hit hard times. 
That's what Paul's kind of talking about here. It's like us who go to a growth group or a Bible study and we get fed and fed and fed. And that is a good, holy thing. But the really cool thing is when somebody says, you know what? I love my growth group. I love the people in this growth group. And I love spending time with you guys. But you know what? God has entrusted me with one night a week. And, I, and, and I'm overflowing here. I want to I take some other people and, and bring them along. That's how the love of God spreads. And then the final one, hope of the world. Jesus was prophesied as the, as the hope of the world. In uh, Isaiah, this is said about him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. And this is what I want to end with, and I want you guys to, to grab. Because the crazy thing about it is, remember, Christianity does not start and end with the cross, that we serve a risen Lord, and that risen Lord has given us the mission to be His body in this world, to be the tangible hand of Christ, to use our feet to go, to use our mouths to speak words, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead indwells in us, that we are told that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And from Jesus' words is John chapter 14 and verse 12. He says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. If that doesn't scare you to death, there's something wrong. You are not taking those words with the seriousness that they deserve. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the body, my body of the Christ, or body of Christ, that you guys are going to do even greater works. Well, Jesus, you fed 5,000 people. Guess what, guys? Here's the reality. The body of Christ over the last 2,000 years has fed billions of people. This is going to be a little sacrilegious, but 5,000, really, Jesus? Your body, your, right? Billions. Jesus, how many people did you heal? 100, 200? How many, how many people has the body of Christ, the church, healed? Heck, I, I've personally witnessed hundreds. I mean, I think so many times we like blow this off and like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, next time you think you're perfect, walk on water. Okay. Give me some water skis and a jet ski boat. <laughs> Only I'll walk, I'll slalom, you know. Man, it is, it, 
It is high time for us, the American church, to say, you know what, let's stop discrediting the words of Jesus and try to minimize them and say, what if he was serious? What if we as the body of Christ are meant to do greater works? What if, you know what, we as the body of Christ are not only going to have a few people lame who can walk, but thousands who are going to dance in the street with splendor of God is an act of worship. What if, you know what, we are going to, you know, not only you know, turn water into wine, but we are going to turn sewage water into drinkable water. Millions of people because of the church. The church, it has its problems. We live in a broken world, but you know what? We are doing a lot of beautiful things. And I think it's, you know what, time that the church stands up and people saying like, church people are only about themselves and say, you know what, that's a crock. Because you know what, millions and billions of people have eaten because of the body of Christ. And millions of people have been healed and given clean water and have been educated. Because you know why, my Lord said that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father because I have the living Holy Spirit in me. And I am with a bunch of other people have the living Holy Spirit within me. And you know what? We're coming to bust down the gates of hell. And you know what? You can't have that person. You know why? Because they matter to God and they matter to me. So you can go the easy way or the hard way because I am tough as nails. Because I rejoice in the adversity that I have gone through. Because I have wounds that have healed and that they are now scars. And I am no longer going to be timid. That I am going to claim the ministry that God has called me to do.